COVID-19 has really shaken us up and caused us to come face to face with a reality that many of us are not fond of. Not only must we face the economic crisis, which directly affects so many of us personally, but we must also confront the emotional fallout this pandemic has caused. We've all felt sad, depressed, distressed, and anxious. In a nutshell, we're grieving. The type of grief we are experiencing may have little to do with loss of life. How do we handle this type of grief? I'm Victoria Walker, and welcome to the Choose to Think podcast. Let's find out. Mariana Rogers is the only certified grief recovery specialist in Kentucky who organizes group sessions twice a year using the grief recovery method. These face-to-face classes help participants process their grief in healthy ways. I had the privilege to chat with her recently about how to deal with grief and guilt that many of us are undergoing as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. She and I go back a couple of decades when our paths crossed as home educators. She taught drama to scores of homeschooled children and directed quite a few plays with their homeschooling co-ops. She's fondly known as Miss Mimi. Now, Mariana's family owns Rogers Funeral Home in Frankfort, Kentucky. The funeral home is listed as the second oldest private business in Kentucky and the oldest business that has remained owned and operated by the same family. Now, in their seventh generation, they continue to serve families with dignity, compassion, and respect. It was nearly eight years ago that Mariana's husband, John, passed away, which no doubt only kindled her desire to share what she's learned about grief with others who are hurting, and it motivated her to pursue certification with the Grief Recovery Institute. So stay tuned today as we take a deep dive into grief and guilt during COVID-19. I hope you walk away feeling validated and encouraged. But before we dive in, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate and write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. I would really appreciate your endorsement. I also have a listener support tab just in case you would consider financially supporting this podcast to help others learn about God, His Word, and to find inspiration and hope in their journey to choose to think. Also, did you know that the Choose to Think Academy is offering a pre-launch discount for the course called Choose to Think When Your Soul is Hungry. If you've handled the COVID-19 stress by going to food, you might really be interested in this fully digital, faith-based class to help you overcome food issues, food hangups once and for all. Check out the show notes for a link for more information as well as the pre-launch discount. Save 20% now as an individual or 33% with a group of 10 or less. Welcome, Mary Anna. I am so excited to be with you today, not only because you're such an incredible friend and someone that I admire so much from our homeschooling years, your political savviness just the wisdom that you have in general in life. You're, you're so dear to me. And it's such a tr- pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. I'm not sure I deserve all that praise, but um, it was very <laughs> kind of you to say all of that anyway. Thank you. And, you know, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Anybody who knows you would be saying, yes, keep going, Victoria. Keep going. Keep going. Um, okay. So we're going to, we're going to just dive right in to, 
to guilt and grief during the co- this COVID-19 right. uh, season, yeah, crisis that we're in. And um, can you speak a little bit to just, you know, how folks are feeling? What what do we mean by by grief? What help can you offer for grief during the COVID-19 crisis? Like, could you tell us what grief is? And sure. then- maybe speak a little bit on emotional isolation, give us some examples because we're all right there. And then what, maybe give us some tips on what we can do to combat emotional isolation during this time. Well, let's talk about grief in general and normal activities that we would be doing um, at this time, which we are unable to do. And then maybe we'll run into the, go into the grief of the uh, guilt for a minute, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. Um, The problem with our society is that we don't deal with grief in general very well anyway. Most people don't recognize it for what it is. So um, I'm part of the Grief Recovery Institute as a specialist, and we have two definitions of grief. One of them is that it's just a normal reaction to a loss of any kind. And the other one is, I think, more appropriate for the situation that we're in, and that is the the emotional feelings that we have, which are normal, when um, our circumstances are upset, when there's a change in behavior because something has ended or just something has changed. And we're very accustomed to a certain pattern of living. And then all of a sudden that changes and we don't know quite how to deal with that. And if there ever was a time when society is going through that, it's now. What's happening right now is that our normalcy has been taken away from us. So whereas every day you might go into work, you might stop to get your coffee, you might be chatting with your coworkers, dropping your kids off at school, um, there's church activities that we can't do. And I know many people who are upset because they cannot go to the gym regularly. So, mm-hmm. you know, these people are all at a loss. What, what do you do with that time? And uh, what, what do you do to replace it and you know, this has been something that you're accustomed to that generally makes you happy or fulfilled. So now what are you supposed to do with it? That's the question. So that is what grief is. It's um, your normal, natural response to something like this. And the problem is finding a way to deal with it. Right. And emotionally, we do feel isolated. I mean, I'm here with Matthew and, you know, he's actually back at work now. But otherwise, it's there is some sense of isolation that I'm even feeling as a reason. And I normally work from home, mostly work right. from home. But there are still certain restrictions that that are really kind of pinching down and cramping me a little bit emotionally. So can you can you offer some ideas on how we can handle that or what are some good workarounds so that instead of feeling emotionally isolated, we can still get that connection that we need for other people, although it's not in the, you know, the, the way that we, yeah, there are that we're accustomed to doing it. And we can't go down to the coffee shop and sit on sure. the sidewalk. So what can we do instead? Do you have any thoughts on that, Mariana? Yes. Well, you know, we're made to be social beings. There, there are people who enjoy a lot of solitude. You have solitude. I have solitude. But um, I'm a very social person. So this has been difficult for me, quite honestly, to not be able to go out and, you know, be with people and that sort of thing. So it's important that you maintain contact 
you were, uh, maintain contact with people. And there, of course, one of the blessings in all of this is technology, that we're able to use um, telephone, cell phones, telephones, uh, Facebook and other social media to maintain contact with people. And it's very important that we do that. And along those lines, I think it's important that you not only say you have the ability to do that, but that you follow through and you do it. Mm-hmm. If you have a good friend, you need to um, make a time when you're going to connect with each other just to chat and, and check up on each other and see how you are. And then um, if you have someone that you can, you really trust and you're feeling really bad, you know, make a deal that, hey, if I'm feeling down, I'm going to call you. And likewise, you call me. So um, in this day and age, we're lucky that we have those that ability to use technology to be in touch with each other. And but I think it really is has to be an intentional thing at this point. As long as we are staying within the the regulations that we've been given, I think it's fine to get out and do things for other people. Um, I've recommended, you know, taking your children and going and mowing someone's lawn. You know, you can mm-hmm. do social distance, distancing with um, something like that or weeding their their garden or planting or whatever. You know, and I think a lot of this is just finding something to, to help you stay busy and and keep your keep yourself occupied so that you're not constantly dwelling on what is negative, but on what is positive and what what you can do to um and it's always better when you serve other people you know your mind's on them and not on you Mm -hmm. that's so helpful um i like that mindset shift i know i was recently i was every morning i was getting up and i i it felt like i had this dark cloud over me or something and not for any good reason really but other than it was it's just like i feel like i'm in this kind of monotony and not that monotony is bad, but it just, I kept, and so this is what I was saying. Okay. Wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. That's kind of what I felt like every morning, like, here we go. And it was, it was my attitude. And then I recognized that and I'm like, okay, I need to shift my, my mindset and my attitude here. And I, I was able to switch it to rise, shine and glorify. And just doing that little teeny mindset shift really helped me to feel like, even though I'm isolate quote isolated, um, I still have a purpose and I still have important things that I need to do. And I, like you said a moment ago, trying to help others. Can, is there something that I can do in my day to take my eyes off myself and my situation and shift it over to being of service to somebody else? And that for some reason, you know, the, I guess the way God built us to it it broadens my horizon a little bit and it keeps it from being just the same old, same old. Well, you know, and, you are a very insightful person, Victoria, to begin with. So, you know, you would naturally ask yourself, what's going on with me? A lot of people don't even think to do that. So I think the, the most important thing is to recognize what's going on, that you are grieving your normalcy in your life. And then, mm-hmm. then, then ask yourself, what can I do to, to fix it? And, you know, externally, you cannot do anything to fix it, but internally you can. And as you, as you mentioned, attitude is a lot of this. Mm-hmm. I, I tell myself, you know, when I'm down and I have a bad 
moment that I'm having a moment. I don't say that I'm having a bad day because, you, as you know, there are there's power in the words that we speak. And so if I say I'm going to have a bad day or I'm having a bad day, I'm really setting myself up for that. So rather than say that, I say I'm just having a moment and that moment is going to pass. Now, Christians will understand this as taking every thought captive, but it, it really mm-hmm. truly does work. And I also think it's important, you know, music is a wonderful therapy and it's used all the time. But, um, you know, if you put upbeat praise music or even rock music on in your house, uh, Disney music I used when my children were young, it, it's very difficult not to be in a better frame of mind when you have some good music going on. And I've been known to even dance around the house by myself. <laughs> so yes, you know, a lot of it's yes. just, just your attitude, you know, and, and, recognizing, okay, I'm bored. Uh, This is monotonous. I need to get out of this. What can I do to bring myself out of this? I love it. I love it. I love that you're, those are, first of all, the a moment mindset or that frame of mind is so hopeful because it, it, you know, it can be so discouraging. It's like, oh, but yet if I think, okay, it's just, I'm having a moment. This is not going to last forever. We will get through this. That's just such a, do I? We are told, yes. We will get through this together. But we don't know what the end is and we don't know what the end is going to be like. So I would just encourage people not to lock yourself into that sense of doom and that sense of hopelessness. You know, just say, this is temporary. You know, and and like my moment of sadness is temporary. It's just a moment. Perfect. That's wonderful. And then the action item of listening to music. You know what? I do the same thing. I have a little miniature trampoline in in, in my office. Oh, <laughs> yep. And so I'll put the music on, get it blaring, and I'm just jumping around. I'm getting my steps in that way. Especially we've had these gloomy days, right? Yeah. Rain. Oh my and goodness. The physical activity is very important too. Mm. So you're getting it. I'm not doing so well with that, but you're, you're doing well. Yeah, it's well, and it's, it's, you know, it's important to me because I know that that's healthy and it gets my blood pumping a little bit. And then plus I'll put the music on to boot and, and suddenly my, my spirits are lifted. So I appreciate that you're saying, you know what, we do have responsibility in this and we can, we can take those thoughts captive and shift our, our mindset. So we really do not have to be victims to all of this. It's very easy to fall into the doldrums and, you know, depression and, you know, I, I worry because we're going to see a lot of depression and some worse things come from this. But um, I would encourage everybody out there just to take a you know, moment, recognize the moment for what it is and share this with other people too. you know, encourage other people. And that's also very helpful, you know, to take your mind off of yourself is to pray for someone else and encourage someone else and and, you know, do that verbally. You know, not just not just in a text. I, I like phone calls and video chats much. They're much more meaningful than a text message is. Before we talk about why we're feeling guilty these days, let's take a break from our sponsors. People are feeling guilty during this time. Why would someone <laughs> feel guilt? Can you go into that? This kind of surprised me. I had several people ask me about this actually on Facebook. And when I got to thinking about it, it really did make sense. Well, it, people are saying, I feel guilty because 
this person, my friend, is is so much worse off than I am. You know, he's lost his job. He, you know, their family is struggling financially. And then you have the other end, which is, you know, someone who has actually lost a life or lost a loved one as a result of the virus. So, you know, you feel guilty because your experience is not quite that bad. So, you know, it could be anything from you're not alone, but you know someone who is. You're an introvert. The isolation doesn't bother you as much as other people. And one thing that you and I had talked about earlier was that some people are learning new things, languages, and they're getting things accomplished in their homes and, and, you know, renovating and cleaning out and doing all of these things. And I might not be, you know, so that might make me feel a little guilty. Um, You know, which is one thing I need to say is we never, in dealing with grief, we encourage people never, ever to compare yourself to someone else. Because everybody's grief, everybody's feelings are unique and individual to you. And so are, so are your relationships. So, you know, when you look at someone who's, oh gosh, they've painted their entire pack house or she's made, you know, 400 masks or whatever, you know, that is wonderful and congratulate them for that. But that's not necessarily your place. That's not necessarily where you are. So when we talk about guilt, you know, what you're feeling in a situation like that is really not guilt. It's mostly compassion for people who are not as well off as you are or sympathy. Guilt involves intent. So we didn't ask for this. You did not wish this on your neighbor. And, you know, you didn't wish for someone in their family to die or you did not wish for someone to lose their job. So if you've not done anything intentionally to harm someone, then you've not got anything to feel guilty about because that's the definition of guilt. It's intent. Right. This is so helpful. And I, you know, the feeling that I have had when you mentioned that about everyone doing their projects and, you know, they're renovating their homes and their lawns are looking so great. And, you know, I'm still working my regular full-time job at home. And so I, you know, it's, it's all systems go from the minute I get up until I go to bed. And, and I have felt, and I'm, I'm sorry to confess this, but I have felt jealousy and envy of the fact that, gosh, I wish I could do that. Or I would, I had this unemployment benefit coming my way or the extra $600 a week, or I'm, you know, I, it's, so obviously I'm, that's a root that's, you know, or thoughts or whatever in my mind, in my heart that I have to fight against. And I can come around to saying, okay, I'll hold up Victoria. Mm-hmm. You're not going to let your mind go there. Um, because it, it is the comparison trap, like you said, which I can't think of any good thing to come out of a comparison trap Nothing. Um, yeah. other than I don't want to get in that trap again. But, um, you know, I've had to fight hard against this vision of, wow, if only I had all this time, then I could paint my living room too. And um, and so what I do, what I've learned to do instead is say, okay, Victoria, let's shift the attitude again. And what is your mindset? Can you be grateful that you have a job? Can yeah. you be thankful that your particular industry is it's going to change because I'm in higher education, as you know, and the face of that is changing a little bit. And it's been quite a bit stressful on, on us, us, you know, college and university instructors. We've uncharted waters for a lot of people. 
Yes. So, um, but most people still value higher education and it doesn't seem like colleges, colleges and universities are going to go away. So I know that I'm in a profession that is, that does have some security and there's a demand mm-hmm. for that. Right. Um, however, um, it's, you know, those are the things that I have to look at when I'm feeling like, well, why can't I be, you know, out, um, you know, cleaning out my closets right now and, you know, stuff like that, that seems like other folks can do that have a lot more time right now. I try to pull back and, and say, what are you thankful for, Victoria? You know, I ask myself those things. And then I also encourage myself by saying, you know, fortunately, I don't have to teach as many classes over the summer. I don't choose to. So therefore, I can have my time. So I, I'm like, okay, what would you like to do, Victoria? If <laughs> when you have time coming up down the road, what how are you going to prioritize the projects? And what is it that, you know, so I can dream a little bit. So I've been dreaming about maybe I'll paint my kitchen and get new appliances, something like that, that 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 keeps me out of that um envy or you know that kind of trap and it sounds so selfish I, I'm admitting this right no, now that it, I'm it, sorry it, that that's going through my head but I in fact I'm going to tell you that the irony is that there are probably people who are envying you mm-hmm. because you still have work to do and they don't and so for them it's probably difficult to find something to occupy their time this is this it's such a trap to compare ourselves to others, no matter what side you're on. So I guarantee you there are people who are, are looking at other people who are working and say, and saying, I wish I still had a job to go to, you know, or I wish I could work from home because they don't have any work at all. So, you know, just, there's always that there's always the, the danger of comparison, you're comparing yourself to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's something I have to, you know, I have to, and I think I'm kind of over that now because I work through those emotions and well, those and feelings. I wanted to, and, you know, since you touched on that, I wanted to mention too that, you know, this is a very difficult time for all of us. Uh, I saw someone write something that, and it was uh, author unknown, so I have no idea who wrote it, but it was a very good little post on Facebook, and it said, "You, know, we are not all in the same boat. We're in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat because some of us are on a yacht." while some of us are in a rowboat and that's that really is very a good very good analogy of where we all are you know everybody's different which is why we can't compare ourselves to one another but what we can do during this time is some some introspection like you have been doing you know it's an opportunity to see how we react in these circumstances and so I would encourage people just to take a few moments every day or, you know, every other day, whatever, and, you know, spend some quiet time and just, you know, ask, ask God or ask yourself, whatever, how is, am I coping? And what can I learn from this? You know, what happened to me yesterday? How did I react to that? And how do I wish I had reacted? Grief is also about things that we wish we had done different, better, or more. And I'm positive that when we come out of this, there are going to be many people who are going to wish that they'd done something different, better, or more. How do we deal with that? How, how do, like when you're coaching folks who are grieving and they have those three areas, what is the, how do we come to peace with that? 
with, oh, why didn't I do this? Or I wish I had done this differently or more of this or less of this. How do you coach them through that? Well, it just, it depends. If we're talking about the death of someone, that's a totally different way of dealing with something. But um, it's just, it's going back and being honest about how you felt emotionally at the time and then recognizing that some emotions are harmful and, you know, that there's not necessarily truth in everything. You know, that um, you, you just examine it and say, okay, what was truthful about this? And, you know, what did I like about the way I handled this and what did I not? And what can I change about myself in the future? Because there are behaviors that we engage in temporarily that give us temporary relief from our grief, but they don't, they don't really do anything long term. They don't work for it for good. Mm-hmm. Like shopping. <laughs> You know, I've, I'm, I'm bad about being on Amazon, you know, and, right. and some people sleep, some people drink, you know. So, I mean, there there's certain things that we do. So part of what I do is help people to recognize those behaviors so that we can not do those destructive behaviors, which some, they're not always destructive. But a lot of times when we do them to excess, they are. Gotcha. Okay. And Marianne, I know we're going to wrap this up and I think I'm going to ask you a question that, that may surprise you. And if you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. The question is, I'm thinking about John, yes, your husband, John, who passed away. When did he pass away? What year was that? It was July of 2012. So it's been seven and a half years. Oh my goodness. I, I can't believe it's been <laughs> yeah, that long. Yeah. Okay. What, this is my question. What would John, what would his reaction be right now during COVID-19? How would he encourage you or your heart during this time or your kids? What would he say about all this? He would absolutely love the fact that I'm doing grief recovery because he was the one that um, was interested in it to begin with. And he actually worked with this group, the Grief Recovery Institute in the early 1990s. So he would be thrilled that I'm doing this not only to help other people, but it's been a tremendous help for myself, you know, in dealing with my grief for him, you know, mm-hmm. and I still do grieve for him. You know, it's not that I don't miss him or anything. I have moments when I still cry and that, mm-hmm. that is, if I could leave people with one thing, it, oh, would, Marianne, it, would, be, I it would be, it would be honest about your emotions. Talk with your family, especially with your children. Your children are going to model what the behavior that they see in you. And crying is okay. Crying's a good thing because it's God's way of allowing us to release all those emotions. And it's actually our body's physiological reaction to all of those emotions. So, you know, don't hold it in. Holding it in can bring you illness and all kinds of trouble. So I would say be honest in a constructive way and um, just, you know, do your best to talk with your family and, and work it out that way, you know. What, how would, if John were here, how would, how would you two be processing COVID-19? Um, he would be very frustrated with the physical constraints. Okay. He would not be happy. So we'd be having a lot of political discussions. (laughs) To be honest with you, because we always did to begin with, but, but that that would be a therapy for us, honestly, would be just to discuss, okay, if, if I were in charge, what would I do? (laughs) That sort of thing. We, We had a lot of good banter between us, but, but, you know, he would just, um, 
be encouraging me to spend time with the Lord and just be quiet and be still and, and be calm, you know, and just recognize that this is temporary and not yeah. permanent. And he would love, you know, just the, the moment being in the moment. Being in the moment, being present, being calm and being still. This is definitely a higher ground takeaway. And what are a few more? Number one, recognize that you're grieving and that's okay. Number two, be intentional and take positive, healthy actions to help yourself process your feelings during this time. Number three, shift your mindset, show gratitude, choose to think. Number four, fix what you can control. Focus on what you can do in these conditions. Number five, your words are powerful. Avoid self-focus and reach out to others verbally to encourage them, help them, and pray for them. Number six, resist the victim mentality as well as the comparison trap. Number seven, be at peace with the fact that although we are in the same storm, we're not in the same boat. And number eight, be honest with yourself. Examine and express your thoughts and feelings. Cry. Take a deep breath. Remember, this is just a moment. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being our strength, our joy, our peace, our refuge. I lift up our nation to you, our leaders and officials, the many who are grieving from having lost their loved ones or or who are suffering physically, economically, emotionally during this time. Sift our hearts and clear our minds. Help us to hear your voice during this time. Remind us daily that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In his name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so grateful for you. Say, check out the show notes below for more information about Mariana, grief recovery, and the great work that she does. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.